0: Hello, Sapiens, welcome to another exciting episode of Polytrex. We are going to continue our Engaging with Star Trek Picard series in this episode with episode five, Stardust City Rag. So if you've been following the previous four episodes, what I, and if I'm lucky enough, a special guest will do, and we do have a special guest for this episode, what we will do is break down one enti- the entire episode that was broadcast earlier this week from Star Trek Picard, we'll go in in deep on the Easter eggs, metaphors, themes, and just in the most polytrex way possible, we'll try to connect it to the real world's politics and culture and society. And we have a lot of that today. I feel like Stardust City Rag had a lot of Easter eggs and connections and metaphors that I'm excited to get into with my special guest. But before I tell you who that is... I am delighted to tell you that we are part of the Trek Geeks Network. We are a Trek Geeks podcast. And of course, two people as weird as me and Barry would end up on the Trek Geeks Network. So that makes sense. One day we will tell you the full story of how we ended up here. That seems like it should be a podcast on its own. But I couldn't do that because my typical co-host, Barry DeFord, is off doing better things and he has become too good for this show. So that's what he has. He has betrayed you listeners. He does not think that you're worth his time. I'm messing. He's a very sweet Canadian. He is doing another show called Picard Life, also on the Trek Geeks Network, which has a bit of a different format. You can actually find him on the YouTubes and Facebooks and all your other live streaming apps doing it as a live streamed show, which is very cool. I think you should check out Picard Live by Barry DeFord. Hopefully, here soon, we will have him back doing one of these with me so I can get my old friend back. Damn you, Geeks, for taking my old friend away from me. Also, thanks for letting us be on the network. We're also sponsored by Fansets. And Fansets have so many cool pins coming out. Later in the show, not only will I tell you about our exciting discount code, I also have some special exclusive Trek Geeks Network news on some of the pins that are going to come out here in the near future. But for now, I'll just say that we are so, so lucky to have Fansets as a sponsor. If you have not checked them out, go to fansets.com. I'll tell you more about the website later in the show. Now, on to the actual episode, engaging with Star Trek Picard, Stardust, City Rack. All right, well, we are back and we are excited. And when I say we, I mean, of course, me and a special guest. Now, my special guest and me have we go back a ways. I know my friend that I will be introducing to you today from Literary Treks. I have been fortunate enough to be on that show. He also does another show called uh, Life from the Edge Occasionally, and he had me on for all the for some of the Star Trek Discovery episodes, which was such a such a fun time that he does with another delightful podcaster, Brandy Chocola. Without further ado, I am so, so lucky to have my friend, Admiral Rex, Bruce Gibson. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. You know, I find your listeners are worth listening to the show and having anybody show up. I don't know why Barry would not show up, why he would do this to you and the listeners. It's just, it's embarrassing. I just felt like I need to come in and save the show.
0: Thank you so much. That means so much to me. I was missing a white man's perspective because we don't have that. We definitely do not have enough of that on podcasts. You
1: don't get any more white man than I am right now.
0: (laughs) Yes, uh, I have. I've not talked to my friend Bruce for a while in audio video form, and I've seen that he has grown a beard, a very nice peppered beard, and Mm -hmm. he has grown his long hair. He is looking like Wolverine is ready to sit down and do a podcast with me. So, I am excited and slightly intimidated.
1: Yes, and I'm I'm excited because this is my first time on Polytrex. So, I'm really excited about
0: that, and this is also my first time on the Trek Geeks Network.
1: So, this is like a double whammy for me.
0: Yes, I am so glad. You know, people usually say save the best for the last. I'm glad you saved the best for the first. Yeah. And you're starting with the best. And if you end up on another Trek Geek show, a lot of cool ones, but this is the best. So, you know, welcome aboard, my friend. Happy to have Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm just
1: thankful that, you know, I can step in where Barry
0: can't. Yeah. That's it. So. And if you want to tell us more about how much you think Barry's actually worth your time, and he's such a betrayer, a traitor, to the values of Polytrex. You can tell us that on at Polytrex on Twitter. That is P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S on Twitter. You can also talk to us. We have a Facebook page, but I do not engage with it, pun intended. There's also a Camp Kitama group on Facebook, which is, I believe, all about positive fandom from Trek Geeks. I do not use Facebook. Henceforth, I do not know and cannot personally watch for these things, but I've heard a lot of good things. Are you on there, Bruce? Can you watch for the goodness of these pages and groups? I am in those groups, yes, and I've gone to those pages, so I can vouch that they are good, yes. Awesome. I am so glad to have you. All right, well, let's get into the actual show. It's just going to be a casual scene by scene. We just go through scene by scene. I'll share some facts with you, some things about the real-world parallels to a Fenris strangers type group. Uh, that might go back to pre-Civil War times, and just crazy conspiracy theories about what the Conclave of Eight might be, and some interesting little Easter eggs that you caught, some that I don't think you did catch. That I caught, that I think I'm I'm excited to share and get your opinions on. Just so much goodness to get into. Before we jump into the scene by scene, what did you think of the episode, Star the City Rag? Also tell us, you know, in this little discussion, tell us also how you've been enjoying the show so far and where Stardust City Rag ranks for you so far. Oh, the ranks. Oh,
1: the ranks. I have problems with the ranks. So, okay. So this episode, when I saw a preview of it, I thought, okay, this, I feel like it's going to be a lot of fun because just seeing Rios all, you know, pimped out with the hat and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so fun. I mean, it's fun, but it wasn't going, it's not as fun as I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be one of, you know, this one special funny episode and it's got some fun to it, but it's a lot of serious moments too, of course. Um, But gosh, I don't know where I would rank it. Maybe second or third so far, but overall I am really liking the Star Trek Picard series. I, you know, I, I have to admit when we got to episode three, I felt that it was just kind of just stuck, like we're still building the intro to things. And I was like, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get into this. I'm ready to move forward. And by the time we got to episode four, and now this one, I feel like it's really starting to pick up speed. And I hear from a reliable source of continue to pick up speed as we go along. So I'm
0: excited about that. Well, that is great. I'm glad you have sources on the inside, much like the Jatwaj inside the Talsiyar inside (laughs) Starfleet. It's it's very intriguing, and I liked how you set up that mystery. You not know, so I, inside, just kind of inside, looking in, not neuro oh, inside. Yeah, yeah, we get it, man. We get it. You're hooked <laughs> up. We get it. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm mostly along the lines of how you felt, but I might have enjoyed the episode a little more because, notoriously, I am the person who enjoys most of the Ferengi episodes. I am the person who enjoys most of the holodeck episodes, most mm. of the mirrored universe episodes. Anything that has color and light, I'm like a six month old child. You can get me get all my attention with things like jangling keys and lights and sounds. And this episode has all of those. So, so all you have to do is have Picard jingle keys, and you're you're good. I'm good. That's like I will give you my CBS All Access money for the rest of my life. Wow. You can just have it. And so I I quite enjoyed this episode. This might actually be my favorite after the pilot. The pilot oh. still remains my favorite. Okay, but- so I was
1: thinking the pilot is my favorite, and I was thinking of the fourth episode as being my second favorite. Like it might it's it's close with this one.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I also appreciated, I think this will be the last time they do it, at least in this season. But it's almost like a short story on its own. You know, even if you really do not look at what happens next and where everything goes, you can still just enjoy the fact that for an hour you got Patrick Stewart in an eye patch and. <laughs> Yeah. Rios is a feather in the hat and Seven of Nine being the punisher. Just all kinds of cool things happening. We'll get into it. But anyway, so uh, now, now that we are actually getting into the episode, so the episode starts with, you know, the standard last time on Star Trek Picard. Then you jump in and you go to this planet of I think I got that right. Yes. And in that planet, you go into this weird Nazi style mm, crazy experimentation lab that is supposed to remind you of just horrible things happening in the name of medicine and the
1: seven domes yeah
0: yes the seven domes correct and so you find each on an operating table but he's clearly hurt and close to death if not all just moments away from it and he is being operated upon live by now that is not Bajizel, correct Correct. Yeah, that's a different actor. I didn't know that at the time, but I've heard since then. It's And the it's just a, one of the one of the an, one of the crazy Nazi-style scientists who was just experimenting with Icheb's body trying to remove all the Borg implants. Now, let's talk about a little bit about the about Icheb. This is the if I remember correctly, this is the third actor to play Icheb, right? It's not there were is two this? before. I believe so. There were two before. I don't know. I just know
1: of the one, the primary one, but you're right. There could have been.
0: There was an episode where they went into the future and they show each up oh, in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. In that case, yes, you're correct. So, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think it was Shattered or something. I could be wrong, which is why I'm not being very loud about it. But I'm sure our fans will catch it and tell me about it. But yeah, so this is the third actor who plays each M and I think he did a pretty good job just showing off the horror and the nightmare of not only being claimed, but now being torn upon into pieces. I was um, horrified. And, oh yeah. Let's talk about that. So is this the goriest scene that has ever been in Star Trek? Oh, I,
1: you know, I love this question. My answer to that would be yes, but I do a live show on YouTube with some other people, Dan Guthrie and Brady Jacola. And, uh, what is it called? Uh, you know what we don't even have a name for it <laughs> it's on the kurt tracks uh, youtube channel it's it's kurt tracks is star trek spelled backwards and because we were doing live from the edge on trek fm we decided. Well, they're not doing a live show. Pop a card. Well, let's just go on Dan's channel and do a live show. And there's we don't have a title for it. It's just it's just there. But anyway, it's on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. I, I asked that same question. I said, "This is the goriest thing we've ever seen in Star Trek." And Brandy starts arguing that you know she thinks, "Oh gosh, you know what's the episode? You know of uh, TNG with the parasite that goes in the guy's mouth and his head explodes." Sure that one, and then she said the motion picture, which surprised me. She said the transport accident
0: Mm. to
1: her is the goriest, which is funny because that movie was rated G. Yeah. Um, But in my opinion, yes, this is the goriest. I don't think I've ever watched anything Star Trek where I had to look away, like I did for this.
0: Yeah, and I think it's necessary to establish. I thought the gore was necessary, in my opinion, because the show is clearly not for children. They're not making it so the family can get together and have... Popcorn ready to go, and the dog sitting next to you and watching. This is not that show.
1: Well, you'd be surprised; some families still might do that, but
0: and that's okay. <laughs> I I appreciate and embrace all families that do all those things. But typical families would probably steer away from the show with its cussing yeah. and its dark themes and now this kind of gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two scenes don't particularly strike me as horrifying. Uh, I think it's kind of subjective, but the one that I can think of, the closest that I could come to, is Vox skin grafting to turn him into Tyler in discovery. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that would
1: be, that would probably be the closest one for sure.
0: And it's interesting to me that there is again, like a folk like thread in this episode that we find out about that. We'll talk about, Oh, but I should have said this at the beginning, but I'm sure our listeners already know, It's all spoilers guys, full oh, spoiler yeah, yeah. discussion, just spoilers, spoilers everywhere. Just make sure you watch the episode. I don't think we're doing a whole lot for you, but you, the, the listeners know. Look, it's, if you're going to
1: do a show about an episode, you have to expect there's going to be spoilers. Yeah, They're so this is... dance
0: around it. Yeah, this is full spoilers. Anyway, so uh, we find out there is like a Vogue-like turn at the end of the episode with Jurati, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, because that one I did not pick up. By the way, do you know what I think is the most
1: scariest and gruesome thing I've seen in Star Trek? No, tell me. And this is what I said in the live show. It's that scene where you see Worf in the mud bath and his his code t
0: just barely touches the mud. It freaks uh, me out. That, that just freaks me out, people. Come this, on. The scariest and most gruesome thing I have seen in Star Trek is uh, Code of Honor. Oh, well,
1: yeah. Oh, I, I that one is blocked from my
0: mind. I can't even remember that now. Code of Honor, Profit and Lace, just yeah. all the all star hits those uh scare me much more than what we saw here so well, i saw each up was watching those in the scene i think that's why he was screaming <laughs> <laughs> uh, i saw online that some people got mad about the gore and i get it yeah uh, what do you think was the gore necessary for you did you did you find that it was it added to the plot did you did you think that if they didn't do it you would not have looked at the episode the same way look here's the thing i don't like gore but You
1: know, as you mentioned, this is a more adult type of Star Trek Mm -hmm. and it got its point across because each is in a lot of pain. He's going through a lot of terror himself. So just being squamish and looking at that, it's like you can feel for him. It's like, oh, gosh, no. I mean, that's how he's feeling. I mean, is it necessary? I don't know if it's necessary that they had to do that. I think they could still kind of get it across, but it's more impactful that they did that. And so it becomes even more, I feel, you know, my, my emotions went more out to him because it was just so terrible. And just seeing the anguish that Seven is going through too. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's a weird way to start an episode. <laughs> you know,
0: Yeah. It's going people, in like, going, I don't want to look at this. You know? If people so far have not realized that this is an adult show, this is the scene that for them, will be like, oh, I'm good. Either they'll be like, I am good. I'm on board. Let's go. Or they'll turn it off. And this is like, I think the make or break. If past this point, you keep watching the show. You have no right to complain that, oh, this is an adult show. I never realized it. No, you saw the scene. Well, I've been you. all in
1: favor of Quentin Tarantino doing a Star Trek. And I know it would be more adult and probably more violent and whatever. And I think, well, if I'm all in favor of seeing his version of Star Trek, I should be okay with this one.
0: I feel like you and I are the only two people that are in favor of that. You're the first person that I'm talking to in the Trek community. It was like, really? yes, let's go for a Tarantino Trek. I was yeah. so excited for it. I don't think it'll happen now, but no. maybe like a script or production credit. Anyway, back to this episode. So uh, I thought it was necessary because it drove across two things for me. The first one was seven killing each egg. You can, for to do it in that short amount of time, you have to show what kind of pain the person is in. And I don't think you could have done that without the gore. And then the second thing is what she does at the end, which is her murder is justice route that she takes, which is completely opposite from what Picard is trying to do. And she's out on this one woman, no holds barred, I'm going to get everyone I can, bloodbath mission, and she will not stop. And you can see why that, Hurts her so much because you've seen what happens at the start of the episode, so that's how I felt about it. And yeah, it was. Any other notes on that scene? Did you pick up anything interesting? Well, I mean, he's in uh
1: you know the newer uniforms, and he has two pips, so he's a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uniform is in command red. But later in the episode, it's mentioned about him being a scientist or being in the sciences. So why wouldn't it be blue? But you know, in as they say, my head cannon, I just assume that he's just, you know, he may be a scientist, but he's going on the command track right now.
0: Sure. Yeah. The biggest parallel to me when I saw all that was the Nazi experimentation that happened during the Third Reich's reign on Germany and the concentration camps. And I think yeah. part of it is supposed to evoke that. It's uh it, I, it was- that's how I
1: took it. Yeah. And especially how that woman is just very casual
0: about things. She's enjoying and, it. Yeah, yeah, she's she's, she's getting, not doing getting off
1: anything on it. to you know help him through the pain. It's just mm-hmm. like you're going to get the pain, and I'm just you know oh, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch later today.
0: Yeah, know, yeah. Like and that. she is not only she's it's a game for her almost like she's like oh where is that da 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 like a node or something she's looking for inside and she's just pulling things out. It was it's it's a gruesome scene and uh, I thought it was necessary. Please tell us what you think. I am excited to hear what everybody thought. Just keep it civil. Keep it respectful. I saw some people going after other people on this. It was so ridiculous. Just guys, just calm down. We have, we have, we're living in an age where there are three sh- Trek shows happening right now. Like right now, as we speak, Discovery season three is imminent. The Lower deck season is about to come out and Picard is happening. Just how can you be so angry and mad, you guys? Come on. Well, I mean, I would prefer no gore because
1: I don't like gore, but I mean, I don't have a problem with it. If that's the direction they want to go in, that's fine. You know, you just got to live with it.
0: Yeah, and it's like, I believe Michael Shabon also responded to a comment of a Facebook person saying, hey, but what the hell with the gore? And he was like, you know, we're not we're not immediately saying this should be a gory show, but as a team, we thought this is what will drive the point across of the pain and the horror. And that's why you kept it in. But really, if you think about it, it's maybe a couple of minutes. And you don't really see a lot. I mean, I I think you think you see more than what you did. We talked about Mm -hmm. this on the
1: live show, too, because, you know, there's this like drill or needle going towards the eye. It never you never see it touch the eye. Right. There's certain camera angles where you're seeing or you think you're going to see something, but it doesn't move to the other side of his face. It stays on the side of the face where nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. So really, the goriest thing that you are seeing is just when the eyeball is being pulled up. So it's not that... Believe me, I've seen The Walking Dead. It's not like that.
0: <laughs> I have that seen all cool. the Saw movies. I'm a fan of those movies. Oh my That's... gosh, no. Forget that. I, anyway. Anyway. So now we jump to the next scene, which happened two weeks ago. And it's on Freecloud. Cloud. We go to Freecloud Cloud for the first time. And then we see Mr. Vup, right? That's his name. Coming yeah. up to Bajazel in this clearly... What looks like a very fancy version of the Trek Geeks party at STLV. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yes. It it is kind of like that, isn't it? I'll be honest, I was really disappointed that they didn't even leave like an STLV name drop anywhere in the back in that Blade Runner (laughs) style zoom through they were doing. I was like, yeah. "Come on, guys! Throw some love to the Las Vegas convention where you your biggest audience shows up." But hey, I'm I'm
1: I'm disappointed now that we didn't see Bill and Dan in the scene giving out fan sets, pins, or something. You know? Yeah, just <laughs> just saying fan sets, discount codes, and yelling at each other. <laughs> where they, are Bill and Dan? Where are they? This is my first time on Trek Geeks, and they're not even here. Ugh. And Barry, oh, everybody's just okay. Go on, All right, whatever, whatever. Bruce, you know what? I'm here for you, my friend. You are he- and you are the reason I'm here. Thank if I you. had to choose anybody, it would be you.
0: I, you, of course, agree. I'm the best of what Trek Geeks offers. Like, well, you notice I've had you on my shows. So. Yes. Thank you so much. And that's that's <laughs> how we do it. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Anyway, so now we land into this free cloud setting. It reminded me very much of uh, like, just Chin holodeck scenes, like a lot of the casino stuff the James Bondy stuff we saw in DS9, the Riker lover who he falls in love with and plays the... the oh, Minuet. Yeah, Minuet, just all yes. those. It reminded me, it got me all those Minuet vibes. And anyway, so here we find out that Bejazil is a lady running things and Mr. VUP who is a beta Anari, comes up to her and says, hey, we found Bruce Maddox. And she's like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. And then just before she's about to say, go ahead and kill him, she says, new plan. And then we see Bruce Maddox sit down with Bajazil. And before we talk about it now, it's obvious, maybe not that obvious. It's not the same Bruce Maddox we saw in Measure of Man. It's not the same actor. No.
1: And that was the one thing I knew going into this because that morning when I got up to watch it, I had to go online for, to look up something and I saw somebody mention it was a different actor. However, if I watched this episode without not, with not knowing that, uh, I, would, I may have assumed it was the same actor. It's just, you know, it's 30 years later. He's got a beard and his hair's curlier. You know, it's grown out. I would just assume, is that the I would be questioning, is that the same actor? I wonder. He doesn't look the same, but it's been 30 years. But regardless, I don't care because it worked. I mean, it, it's not like he's so different.
0: From- yeah, that is true. They have the same build and the way they they kind of look. And yeah. you really don't remember Bruce Maddox that much unless you've watched Measure of a Man multiple times, which I believe a bunch of people have. But it's been so long. You you can kind of forgive it. And uh, he looks a lot different too, which I think helps. Yeah. And I let's just say like for the casual person... Who's paid five ninety nine just to watch Picard, and is not that deep into like TNG? They'll not remember that this is a different actor. Just and like, that's oh most yeah, it's people. A, yeah. yeah, and that's fine. Anyway, so they land here. What did you think of that scene where Maddox and Bajazel talk to each other, and then she offers she drugs him out basically with Tranya.
1: I like that. That's a little Easter egg. The
0: Tranya. Yes, the, is it. Tranya or Janya? It, I think it's tranya. Okay, and that's the like it's just like alcohol. That was the Clint Howard drank
1: in uh, that early episode. You know when he was the little guy on the ship. Oh gosh, what was the name of the episode? <laughs> I can't remember. Is it the Man Trap? Is that the one? No, I can't remember. Yeah, no, the Corbinite maneuver. That's yes. the episode. Awesome. They had Tranya. He's like, "Come on in, have some Tranya." <laughs> that's that's what that is. Gosh, awesome! Plus my Star Trek credit. I'm
0: impressed that he remember that because I do not. That's why I'm glad I have you on the show. And, and Jaisal, so, I thought looked like Deanna Troy from back in the day. Yeah, she's like <laughs> a young. She's like the. She's like if the Diana Troy from Face of the Enemy just became human again and then went down to Ryza and began living her life there. Yeah, that's what it she does looks look like. Sadly like that. It's it's incredible. And I really I like the bamboo thing she's wearing on her shoulders. Did you notice that the bamboo shoulder pads? Yeah, I was like, okay, that's supposed to make it look futuristic or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I thought that was interesting too. It was so a couple of things I picked up here now. Maddox says as soon as he lands, clearly they've known each other in the past, Maddox and Jaisal. That's why he trusts her and he he shows up and he's like, my lab has been destroyed by this molecular solvent. That, that's probably the same solvent that they killed Daj with and Daj's boyfriend when they did everything in the room. And uh, you remember when Laris and Picard go there, they find out, they realize it's like, oh, it's like nothing even happened in this room, right? Yeah, yeah. It is like that. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I think you might be right on. So there is, I think there is some kind of, he calls it a molecular solvent. There's some kind of solution that is going around with these Jacques Vash people. And I bet it'll come into play in the future. I'm sure we'll find out more about it. It was, that was kind of interesting to me, but anyway, I find out she's drugged out and uh, she drugs him out and he just falls to the floor and she's just waiting. And then we cut away. What are you, any other notes on that scene? Anything you picked up? Well, just
1: at the end of that scene, I wondered, is he drugged out or is he dead? I wasn't even sure if he was dying at Mm. that moment. So I was like, is that the end of Bruce
0: Maddox? We just get that scene? Eh, I don't know. Well, I thought that for a second too, but I remembered back when she was like, go and kill him. And then she stops Vop and says, new plan. So I was like, you could not kill him because this is an elaborate way to kill him. Why would you just bring him here and kill him? Like it was true. Unless you, we find out more about who she is later and maybe on. Maybe anyway. the
1: attention wasn't to kill. Maybe he was just allergic to Tranya, and she didn't know.
0: Oops, sorry. He was allergic. Oh, he's dead. Okay. Interesting. End of episode. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> so now we cut to the study of Picard. His his study, his hollow study, hollow deck study, whatever you want to call it, on the La Serena, and you find out that Picard and Seven are having a conversation Picard walks into his room and Seven follows him and she's like what the hell are you doing here Picard I I found her drink of choice interesting how far she has come from Voyager yes wasn't it bourbon straight bourbon I think yeah she was like bourbon straight up and she went she went from realizing just how heavenly cheesecake is (laughs) Right. That would have been funny if she asked for cheesecake. That would have been perfect, man. I would have just about said this is the greatest episode of all time. If she if she had asked for cheesecake. Or just like a cheesecake milkshake. I'm sure somebody makes those. Oh, that would be good. And so she asked for bourbon straight up and then he kinda tells a little bit about mission that they're on. And then she tells him, Oh yeah, I'm I'm about to go to Fenris because that's where our money is the Rangers' money. And she mentions Fen, she's that she's part of this group called Fenris Rangers. Yeah. Now, what what do you think of this? What do you think of the scene? What do you think of the Fenris Rangers concept? Just give us your thoughts, man. Well, we had that episode
1: where they were saying that the planet had a shield around it uh, that was set up by the Rangers. And I remember back then thinking, what are the Rangers? What are they, what is that? What are they talking about? And now we're getting more exposure to that. Um, I found this to be very interesting. It's like a rebel group, uh, you know, taking the laws into their own hands. And as Seven says, what laws? And the card's like, good point. You know, they're helping out those areas that haven't been protected, that through this disruption of the supernova and getting rid of the um, the neutral zone or part, of, or I don't even know. Maybe it's parts of the neutral zone are still around, possibly. I don't know. But things have been reset. In the galaxy, in this area of space. And so some planets, I think, are under Federation protection, some aren't. And those that aren't, she's just, she's there to take, yeah, the law into her own hands, doing protection. I thought that was a really interesting concept because here's somebody who used to be a Borg that assimilated people, and then she had to find her humanity, and now she's saving humanity.
0: It's pretty incredible how far she has come, and she calls it ranging. She says it's exhausting, it's pointless, it's stressful, but she likes doing it which is just helping people reclaim who they are before they were assimilated. And this has obvious parallels to me in the real world to all the slave rescues that happened before the civil war and the Emancipation Proclamation. There are so many, like Harriet Tubman is the most famous one, The, Mm -hmm. the slave rescuer who would go out and rescue slaves after she got her freedom. It was just... I I thought that was such a connection to everything that was going on at the time. I found it interesting that Seven is the character they chose to do this with. They could have maybe gone a couple of other ways. Like I can see maybe Hugh doing it and just maybe Hugh... It makes a lot of sense it would be Hugh, yes. Because that's... Yeah, because he's the character who we kind of have this conversation from the first time. Because if I remember correctly, I, Borg, happened before Voyager even aired, if I I remember correctly. Yep. So... But I'm glad they chose Seven because she's so cool. Oh, yeah. Can we just talk for a second about how lucky we are that Seven's back? When she's sitting across from Picard and Picard is saying things and she raises her Borg eyebrow with the implant, I was like, how did I get this lucky? What did I do (laughs) in my life to get this scene? To get Picard and Seven sitting and talking to each other.
1: Yeah. And also just to see Seven looking a little different, her hair's down, she's in regular clothes, she's not in the cat suit, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's more human. She's got more expression and, uh, and yeah, to see the two of them together, you know, that's something we never probably ever expected to ever see, you know, at least as the years went on and on, who would ever expect we'd ever see Picard and Seven and Nine together in a scene. I never would have expected that. I only get that from the novels.
0: Just think about the, if you think about the sequence of events that have led to Picard and Seven sitting across from each other in a scene, you have to think about the Kelvin movies happening and then the rise of TV, then the rise of streaming Mm-hmm. to a point where they could justify doing a show in which they could bring Picard back and then bringing seven, like this, the number of things that led to it all falling together. I feel like it's uh it's, I feel like the Picard's portrait in the credits, which is like pieces coming together to form him. I was like, just how fortunate yeah. that this, this is happening. It's, it's and a,
1: anybody who complains that, Oh yeah, I have to pay for another service. I have to pay to watch these. These wouldn't exist if it wasn't for CBS all access. They're doing, Doing the same thing they did when they launched the upn network they put voyager on to be the flagship show to start a new network and in the 70s before the mission picture paramount was going to start a new tv network and they were going to use star trek for that so they seemed to turn to star trek to be that anchor that starts off a new network and bring viewers in and that's what they're doing with cbs all access i mean i'm not saying we wouldn't have had another star trek show at some point but i think maybe even in 2020 if they hadn't launched CBS All Access, we'd be sitting here going, oh, could we get a new Star Trek on TV? We'd still be waiting.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible to me. And if you go back all the, ta- all the way to the original series, one of the reasons why that show is so colorful is because they had all those buttons and panels so people would buy color TVs.
1: That's right. Yes,
0: because NBC
1: was owned by RCA and RCA was selling color TVs.
0: It's like, come on, you guys, just get... You know, I'm let's not let's not even go there. Like, I have uh, so many things I want to talk about with the Fender Strangers. Now, we've talked about like the real world parallels, but coming back to Star Trek, like, you remember the Bajoran freedom fighters that they would talk about that mm-hmm. kind of branched off into the Marquis. Yes. And then you had like wherever Kira was in her own weird little uh, place that is not quite the Marquis, but also quite she's not like working for the Cardassians. It was like, they showed de- so many degrees for me that I appreciated that connected to just different things in Star Trek. Are, are there any other freedom fighter type organizations that I've not talked about in Star Trek?
1: Uh, I'm sure there are. I can't think of top of my head, but when you were saying about Bajoran freedom fighters, it reminded me that if, if anybody hasn't, not to say that this is in there, but just reminded me, read the Picard novel that came out by Una McCormick, uh, mm-hmm. The Last Best Hope
0: um there's it touches a little bit on that let's just say that interesting i need to check that out i've not heard that yet so yeah I've, i found a lot of parallels there and it was an interesting scene and then she asks him hey so tell me what are you doing and he start he begins to tell her and she's like just give me another bourbon which was like a nice cutaway yeah. uh, to me now it cuts to rios and rafi they're on the bridge just zooming into space and Rios is about to engage in his vice with a cigar and Rafi's like, uh-uh, yes. none, none of that here. It and was, I love that. Because it, it, that's what I was
1: hoping for. Because, you know, they're smoking in episode three and I was like, oh gosh, now we're smoking in Star Trek, you know? And I was hoping, well, these characters are still trying to find themselves and their purpose. And I was hoping we get to a point where they're starting to reject that. And she is, we'll get into that a little more, but uh, I love that she's telling uh,
0: Rios, uh-uh, Put that away. It was, I also like that if you, if you think about it, he's the captain of the ship and she's telling him what to do. <laughs> so it was clearly yeah. somebody we know who's running the ship quite That's literally true. and metaphorically. I about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he's kind of freaking out. He's got two former Borg on there. It's just yeah. coming to that realization.
0: And he, she's connecting the pieces with him and she's like, yeah. And he's like, you got me some strange cargo this time, Rafi. And she's like, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. That was such an interesting connection. Now we got to Jurati and this is where we start uncovering the layers. Now, listeners of this show will know that from episode two or episode three, I had my suspicions, my strong suspicions that Jurati is who not who she seems to be. So I actually thought, this is how far I went. I thought she was a skin grafted Maddox. So I thought she was actually Maddox who had decided not to look like Maddox so she could get away and do all her nefarious activities. I was close. She is Maddox's lover. And yeah. together, she apparently she had an instrumental role in coming up with these synths and everything we know about them. So we got to this interesting video that Jarati is watching and she's recording Maddox baking. Now, but just before I get into my thoughts of the scene, what do you think of the scene? Just talk to me about it. <laughs> well,
1: they're making chocolate chip cookies and they're kissing and I don't like to kiss someone while I'm eating. That's
0: that's what stood out in my mind. <laughs> Thanks for that deeply insightful, <laughs> intelligent comment. So now I'm thinking this is the more gory part of the episode. No,
1: um, now I, I thought the episode was interesting only because, I, well, first of all, I also thought, you know, he, she, I think there's a pretty decent age difference maybe to, between them. I don't know. Not that that's a big deal. But I, I, I thought it was interesting because as he makes synthetic artificial people, he can't do that with food. It has to be real
0: which I thought was interesting. So, yeah, I did want to talk to you about that. Now I have an interesting theory about the foreshadowing of what Maddox is trying to do with the the sins that he's making. Now, if you remember, Jirati says to him, you have replicated the flour, the eggs, the chocolate, but you're trying to put them in fire. Why are you doing that? And then he's like, well, I don't like replicated cookies. So... I thought that was a connection to going back all the way to measure of a man. To me, that was a connection to his way of bringing together artificial things and making them live a real life. So he's making these replicated ingredients, but he's trying to make something real out of it Mm. or getting close to like, as close to real as you can with something artificial. And I think that's to me, a metaphor for what he's doing with the androids especially you find out with what he does with uh Dodge and soji he's like i sent them so they could find out the truths about things that are happening and he sends them off to these two different places and they're definitely not your run-of-the-mill since in any way you can tell that right. like he is he has made them he they are the egg and the flower. like he has made them artificially but he wants to bake them that's yes. what i took from it he wants to create life Mm -hmm. And the book I just mentioned,
1: he actually says that his goal is to make life. And it's like what you're saying, he can use synthetic materials, but, you know, he then wants to use that to create something real, something that is living. And with the cookies, it would be the same way. It doesn't matter what the, where the ingredients are coming from. He can replicate cookies, but he really wants to replicate the ingredients and use the ingredients to make and bake something real.
0: Yeah, and that that was the that was the thread to me. That was interesting, and uh, clearly she is kind of perplexed by it. And it's interesting that in the future people don't bake. I don't know what, what's the future. Even like interesting if you can bake. People pizza. bake. I just think
1: that people get you know busy or whatever, and they replicate a lot of their foods, but then yeah. they,
0: they bake occasionally. All right. Okay. I will. I will let you be the authority on this because. I mean, that's what Neelix told me. Yes, I hear you, man. That is true. Neelix did say that. So from here we go to, so Jurati has an emotional reaction. She cries. Uh, and then you, you see that they have like a romantic connection and she's hiding it from everyone. So that's where they sow the seeds of, oh, she's clearly not who she is saying she is to everybody. See, I
1: still think, I thought she is who she is. It's just, there's something going on. Like, I'm not saying that she isn't who she is, but there's something more going on with her that's not being that she hasn't revealed and hasn't been revealed to us.
0: It's so let's let's get into that. I have I, because I have another connection here. So then we go to the La Serena Bridge, where all these ads come up on each of their panels. So it starts with Rios's panel, and this repair guy comes up. And he's like a I forget what alien species he is, but you remember the, one, the ones that are in blue and they have this line running down their face? Yes. And I can't think remember what they're called, but yes, I know. And it's, it's
1: them, but... Bolians? Is yes, Bolians. I think so. And oh, man, I'm doing good tonight.
0: Uh, because he mentions Bolians too. He's like, oh yeah, we have yeah. this Bolian stuff here. And uh, so he's like, he's holding this spanner and he's like, you know, a captain should be aware of his ship. And then you cut to Picard and the people, a lady's trying to sell him this grand experience in a hotel. And then yeah, you cut, "Come on, Jean-Luc, GL, J-L-, J.L. do it." And then you cut to Jurati, who is being hit by a big robot, like a uh, best example I could come up with is like the real Steel movie. It's like an old Hugh Jackman movie a yes. few years ago. And then you cut to Rafi, and it's like a venom leafy garden guy who's yeah. trying to sell her. who's trying to help her get snake bit. Yes. Or like get her that snake leaf. Now, here's something that I thought was very interesting. If you think about it, each one of those ads is very suited to the person that they're showing it to. Mm-hmm. It's like a targeted ad to that person. Like if you think about it, all Rios cares about is a ship and being a captain, right? So, of course, they would sell in the repair. And then you, Picard is all about the finer things in life and he wants to live this like distinguished, quiet life. And so they sell him this grand experience. Jurati deeply has this, even though she doesn't show it, I think she has this deep need to be like combative and be loud and like belligerent. Yeah. And so that's why she, this big robot shows up for her. And then of course we all know Rafi's addiction. Yeah. And so that's why that snake bit guy shows up to her. And she refuses it. Yeah. So like, does that mean that in the future, no matter where you go in the universe, there is like a web search history that follows you on the things that you looked up. And just like, like today, if you, if you go to eBay and type like action figure, which is what I do most of the time, and well, then you know
1: it's 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 the cookies. Remember, it's yeah. This whole episode is just full of cookies. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well done. They they were good wordplays and the cookies. Yes. You know, uh, that's these are cookies of all. Up. Just I am. I'm so glad you're on this episode, Bruce. Oh well, thank you. I you're appreciate that here. dad joke, thank you. even if a lot of people might not get it. I appreciate yeah. well, the. Well, half the audience is tuned out by now. So. <laughs> no, they're here and they're listening to you. So, just I thought that was really cool. What I thought was awesome is that nothing shows up for Elnor. Because, yes. Because clearly... Well, he, he doesn't
1: have a search history, probably. Yes, also... I mean,
0: because, in all seriousness,
1: I mean, it's like you're saying, I mean, all these people are in the computers probably doing something and as soon as they're getting the planet, it's reading some kind of search history or whatever that they've been doing yeah. on the ship. And
0: Elnor hasn't done any of that. He has He has been off the grid while he was living in Busty. Yeah. Because there is nothing there. He's like a man out of time and space. And even if they
1: weren't, even if it wasn't reading things from the, what they were doing on the ship you know it just could be it's reading their accounts or something or whatever from past searches from years and years and Elnor doesn't have a computer he didn't and grow up with one
0: it's it's also like even if they were doing something to find out about these people what would he have he lives the life of a he lives the life of absolute candor like they he's basically yeah. a sage like a saint a warrior saintly guy of course he wouldn't have anything i thought that was pretty interesting so then we cut to, then we cut to Rafi talking about the Facer's Guild and how she has tracked Maddox, but now he's part of this negotiation from the Facer's Guild and they're trying to trade him into the Tal Shiar, trying to essentially sell him. And then she mentions that somebody named Bajazil is trying to send, sell him off. Now that's when ears perk up and she walks up and she's like, oh, I know Bajazil. And then she, she talks about, she talks a little bit about what's going on there, but then it essentially ends with her saying, you know what you can do? You can offer me as trade because she clearly is all about the Borg and who else has more Borg implants than me. So I am the perfect person for you to go down and pretend to be these facers so you can get in touch with them and get my docs and then we'll figure out the rest later. What do you think of the scene? Um, to me, it was a little
1: predictable because we know what's going on, but the crew doesn't. So when she's like, oh, I know what we could use. And they're like, what? It's like, well, we know she's going to offer herself up. So
0: it was a it was an interesting scene. I like that. Uh, the most important thing to hear is the all the exposition about the Facers Guild. Now, the Facers Guild are like a group of brokers, right?
1: Yeah, they're sell- yeah, they're brokers. Yeah. And uh, they're selling parts and exchanging money and representing other people and
0: yeah i found it very interesting that we didn't find one ferengi person doing any of these broker stuff all over flea crowd except for a quark who's mentioned by name yes but it was but like by you me. think ferengi would be all over this brokery well and they
1: crowd. might be and they could be but we're just not seeing them in this scene
0: Yeah, maybe there's like a no Ferengi policy or something on there. But that might not be true because there's a Quark's bar down there. Anyway, we'll get into it, man. So here we get, yeah, we actually go down to the planet and the camera zooms and flies through space as it brings us to that bar that they're supposed to be in. And we see Rios just standing there with his pimp outfit, as you said, his space pimp outfit. And uh, now uh, here are a few things I noticed. This is the most Blade Runner scene I've seen in a Star Trek show. Like with the giant hologram and the bright yeah. lights and the shameless ads. It's, it's it, like the other thing I saw like this was the great, the Boston scene. Like when it was establishing Boston in the pilot with Dodge. There, is, there was some of that there with the yeah. ads. You no, remember that? Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. But here are a few things I noticed. And tell me if you notice something else. Now the girl dancing. In the hologram. That's an Orion girl, right? Is she, a, um, is she like a green? I know she's green and we have seen her before. Probably. I didn't look at her that closely. Okay. She's like a, you know, clearly a dancing, a giant 50, 60 foot dancing hologram trying to get people in. I think she's one of the Orion girls from TOS. I'm sure my... It would, that would make sense. Yeah. And our listeners will, will tell us all about it if that is not the case. But then did you see Mr. Mott's emporium? Yes, his hair emporium. Yes. I didn't notice that. It yeah. looks like that happened. And then did you see a Quark sign? I
1: saw a Quark sign. I also saw opposite of that uh, a sign that said Dabo tables.
0: Yes, that is right. And so clearly Quark's little ad that he shows, you remember in one of the episodes in DS9, he shows the Quark's bar idea to Kira and they're like, ah, this guy. And then yes. clearly that has become a thing. Well, no, I was just going to
1: say that Dayton Ward released a travel
0: guide uh, for the
1: Klingon Empire for Kronos, and there's a Quark's bar. He, so Quark has expanded
0: his bar to other places. Ooh, Kronos. I need to check that out. That's awesome. That's a, that's a cool Easter egg. Uh, did you also notice that in the very corner of the scene, there is a rule of acquisition? What is yours is ours? No, I missed that. So if you, just before the scene cuts out, if you pause it and you look to the very right, there is a little, in quotes, it's like, what is yours is ours? It's one of the rules of acquisition. It's like right there with the Quark's uh, bar sign. That was that was pretty interesting to me. So anyway, we find out that the crew is trying to get into outfits. What did you think of everyone's outfits? Like Rios and Picard and... Oh, I love those.
1: Because that's what got me excited about this episode from the previews from the previous week. It's like seeing them dressed up, it's like, okay, this is going to be... This is going to be a fun one. Um, actually, to be honest with you, Rios' outfit, I want him in that all the time. I, 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 th- I want him to come back the next episode and say, I don't know. I like the look. I'm keeping the hat with the feather.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Santiago Cabrera is having the most fun out of any of the people on the show. He got to, in the five episodes, he's gotten to do an English accent, a Canadian accent, speak complete Spanish, play drunk. And now play a spaceman like he is doing <laughs> every possible variation of an acting role that he can do. It's I like that. I like the little jump he was doing as they introduced him like yeah. this little head Bob while uh, they're dressing him up. And uh, Rafi is like, you know, she's giving him the, the rundown. She's like, Hey, you need to be, you can't do the existential spaceman stick that you've been doing. You need to be up, You need to be upbeat and ready and <laughs> Kind of flamboyant, and I then, love
1: those scenes where she's preparing them to go down, and then yeah. we're seeing them do it, and then we come back to the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's she's, like it's like a heist movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is kind of a heist, so of course yeah. it would be like a heist movie. It's like Ocean's Eleven meets Star Sci-Fi, and it ends with Seven saying, "You need a feather in your hat," and then you see the feather in the hat as That's he's right. being scanned, and he walks into the bar. And then in the bar, he's, he goes up to the bartender and he orders a drink with two umbrellas clearly to stand, stand up. And then WAP shows up behind him and he's like feeling lucky, mysterious, <laughs> and then It was, they go into like a bit of exposition of what they're trying to do. This is where we get the Quark name drop. Yes, and I didn't pick that
1: up until the third viewing when I had Uh the closed captioning on. I didn't even realize he said Quark because, you know, he's got the teeth and everything in there. It's hard to talk and he was just like, I didn't realize he said Quark.
0: So uh, to me, Vup looks like if the Maud and the soldiers of the Dominion had a baby, Maybe you know, did yeah, and like <laughs> he looks, uh, the Beta Anari
1: looks so interesting. But I will say the thing I like about that is it's an, introducing a new
0: alien. And we're not just focusing on existing aliens. Yeah. Uh, it's, to have a mix. And Beta Anari name seems pretty interesting because if you remember, Betazoids are their empaths and they can tell how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And the fact that somebody named Beta Anari can know things about you from your smell. I thought that was a nice yeah. nod to the Betazoids.
1: Yeah, that's the last thing I want is a dude like that coming over and smelling me.
0: Oh, but clearly they're in a world where this is they they just have to get through it. So then she sets up these beta blockers that he sprayed with to avoid his scent and then he says, "Oh, we have this Borg prisoner who has all these Borg implants and we would like you to essentially trade Maddox for this Borg prisoner." And then you cut to the other people. You see Picard with an eye patch. Now, what do you think of Picard with an eye patch?
1: Uh, I just love him playing the character of this eccentric French guy. You're like, oh, you want the the woman? I mean, it's like I just kept thinking about when you think of the early days of Picard in the Next Generation. You would never expect that character to do something <laughs> like this. You know, it just shows how much he's changed over time. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I, I love that he is now just having a sense of humor about it. He's enjoying it and he's in it. He's in the moment. I dug that he was not only there, he was giving other people advice and suggestions. I thought it was interesting that they had an eye patch character. Now we have, we have Janeway with the eyepatch in, mm-hmm. if you, if you, there is a really cool parody show whose name I'm forgetting now, but Kate Mulgrew is plays a lady with an eyepatch. She's like the captain of this shield, csi type show it's just it's supposed to be all humorous
1: okay
0: but uh it was i don't know if i've seen that or not i'll I'll send you like the name of it later on but uh, uh, so this is like we had miles with the night patch you remember those in the holodeck episodes yes i do remember that yeah and then is it star trek 3 where the villain has a little metal uh star trek 6 the undiscovered country yes yeah, General Chang has like an eye patch. Yes. And is who else are we missing from Star Trek that has an eye oh, patch?
1: Oh, what was the dude? It was from the original series. He had an eye patch. I don't remember his name right now or the episode. But yeah, I'm sure we've seen some. I just can't remember them all. Yeah. I have not spent my time. That's one thing in my Star Trek fandom I haven't done is sit around and figure out who's wearing eye patches and who doesn't.
0: <laughs> just like these are the things I think about when I'm on my sixth viewing. I'm like, I need to bring up who else wore an eye patch? So we could do like a who wore it best. You know, I could see Tom Paris wearing an eye patch at some point. Sure, yeah, every every one of those guys. Like yeah. it was. Uh, I thought uh, I like that. Of course, when it comes to who wore it best, for me, it's Miles. You might say Picard yeah. with an eyepatch uh, well, to to each their own. Anyway, from here we we essentially set up that they're all going down, just as different people. And then Seven is going to be the prisoner. So they put a bag on her face. And Jurati's job is to beam them back up when they're ready for it. So as they're going down, I thought this was awesome that Elnor discovers what lying is <laughs> right. while they're all doing this. Because he's never heard lies. Yes. Everything's
1: been truth. That's, you know, that's how they do things in that group he's with. I can't remember the names right now. The
0: but- Absolute candor, the Kovat millet. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yes. I mean, they don't, they're very straightforward.
0: Yeah. They don't it's, lie. I feel like it's the best of Romulans and Vulcans because Vulcans right. cannot lie. Right. These Romulans by principle do not lie. I never thought I would meet a Romulan who the humans would introduce lying to. I thought well, that yeah, was that's pretty good. Because the
1: Romulans, they're very secretive. So in order to do that, sometimes, you know, they're, they probably lie a lot. And here's a Ramian who doesn't even know what that is.
0: Yeah, I, I love that he's discovering it. He's like, oh, we're lying. We're pretending that we're something that we're not. <laughs> yeah, and it's his enthusiasm. Oh, are we lying?
1: Is that what we're doing? Ooh. You know? And then he
0: feels sad that he's like, oh, everybody except me is pretending. And then he gets like a jacket and then he does his thing. It was, that, was, that was pretty funny. I love that they're introducing him. It's like a boy becoming a man. By it discovering is. the evils of the I world. I think we'll it's,
1: continue to see that.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think there'll be a lot of fish out of water stuff for, with him that they'll do with this character. So anyway, now the, all of them go down to free cloud, and Picard says something very interesting while he is showing off this prisoner to Bajazil. And he's like, you know, the Borg stays in them. They can pretend that it doesn't, but it never goes away. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that Picard in this getup is saying that after everything we've seen him go through in Best of Both Worlds and First Contact?
1: Yeah, I mean, if anybody says that the writers don't know Star Trek, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: And there are people who say that, which is ridiculous to me. Anyway, so what I loved here, one of the things I love the most, maybe you might not agree, but I loved that Picard had this eye patch and he looked like someone I had. I don't know if I ever saw a Picard in that in that kind of an... What, who was your favorite from all the, the Free Cloud outfit guys? What was your favorite skin?
1: Oh, man. I, I, mm, I think it would be Rios. I think, you know, I just, I love how his attitude was in that outfit and that's kind of bringing out more of his current attitude but just overplaying it i almost want him to just always be in that like <laughs> just like that's his standard
0: uniform i want that action figure oh you might want the action figure i want the pin body and who better to give me that pin who than Fan sets would do that yes i'd fan sets now I have to brag a little bit about fan sites because I, I get the things they're doing, man. It's like, do you have any fan set pins? Do you, I do. Like, I don't have a lot of them, but I do have some. It's time for you to stock up with this awesome fifteen percent discount code that we have for Polytrex. Now, this is a very secretive code, so I, do you have like a pen and paper ready to go?
1: I have right here. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this is it's going to be a while, so I want I want you to be quick on the draw and write it down because I won't say it multiple times. Maybe okay. twice. Okay the discount code that you can use for Polytrex on fancets.com is Polytrex.
1: How, how do you spell that?
0: P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S.
1: Polytrex. I'll never yes. remember
0: that. Uh, Just I so difficult. That and the yeah. one time I'm never saying it again. So while I was watching it, I was like, I would love a freak out set of all these people. Each yeah. one of them in their in their outfits. I'll even de- I will even buy the Elnor jacket one because it's just a jacket. It's nothing really cool, but I will <laughs> buy it because that's how much of a fan set lover I am. And where better to sell it than STLV? Oh, absolutely! Where, like if you're going to debut something like this, do it at STLV. I hope they do it. I'm going to put in a. I'm going to put in a word. I'm going to start a social media movement trying to get everybody on board, uh, giving me a free cloud set of fan set spin. Count me in. I will. I will participate in that. I Thank will, you, sir. I like, back you
1: up on that. And if they have them at STLV, I'm getting them.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I don't know if they'll do this, but what they are doing... Now, this is the exciting news that I was teasing about earlier. Now, are you familiar with the Women of Trek collection, Bruce? The Women of Trek collection? I don't think I am. Fansets did a really awesome initiative where they made these Women of Trek pins. They're exclusive pins made by fans at showcasing the female characters in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And they've made a few so far, like all the popular, some of the popular women have been done. They did the, the round one. They're doing round two and it's going to start in May and it's going to have Jadzia. They're going to do a nurse chapel pin. They're going to do a Sylvia Tilly pin. They're going to do a seven of nine. And also they're going to do a Hoshi Sato pin. Oh, great. And if these are not the typical, like st- just two-legged character pins. These are full-on portraits of the actual ca- the, the character as we see them in a, a setting, and the woman of Trek banded down. It's it's so cool, man. You should check it out. So you've seen these? Oh, they've sold an entire round. Oh, okay. I probably have seen them then. And they had like a set of it on sale during STLV. Okay. Uh, 2019. And they're doing round two. which See, I starts... wasn't at
1: last year's. I missed last year's.
0: And uh, they, they're doing round two right now, so you can get in on it. It's like, it is beautiful. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. I'm saying it because I love it. And they sell it by the set. And I believe very soon they're going to do a like a short resell of the the first round. And like, stay tuned on that. The, the it's, There is so much going on with Fan Search man. Anyway, I hope I get a free cloud round is what I wanted to say. But I so just think, I can
1: get a 15% discount going to fansits.com and typing in Polytrex. That
0: is correct. Once price. you finish your order and you go to checkout, there's a promo code section. Mm-hmm. Type in Polytrex and boom, 15% off. Boom. You, can, you can try the other show's cords, but they won't yeah. feel as well, good as Polytrex. I want a Shashank pin, but I don't think they have those yet. Thank you, sir. I don't think there is enough metal in the world to make a Shashank pin. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, now back to the show. I keep wondering where your dog is. Oh, he's sleeping, man. Okay, oh, I cool. have I have learned my lesson, Polytrex listeners will know, after the years of bow on this show that they've put <laughs> up with, I planned my entire day with Zod around yes. the episode recording. So if I'm recording him here, if I'm recording here through the entire day, I will tire him out, I'll get him a few walks, he'll get some exercise, just in time for having his dinner and going to sleep. Mm. So I can record this in peace.
1: He sounds like he's living the life I want to live.
0: Oh, he is, his life is a party every day, buddy. Like <laughs> people feed him, play with him, uh. give him all the entertainment. He gets social media love. His life is awesome. Anyway, now what is awesome is back on the show in FreeCloud, they're trying to sell Seven. They're trying to give off Seven as this, oh, take her in trade. And then they're they're talking, they're discussing. And then we cut to the Rafi and Gabriel scene, which I think is one of the most, it's one of the most sensitive scenes I've seen in Star Trek in a while. And this, mm-hmm. you see, this is where the name Stardust City comes from. If you notice the name of that reproductive services that she's going to, it's called okay. Stardust City. And it was, uh, well, let's just talk about the scene. So the Rafi shows up, she goes, she's at this hospital, clinic type place where she's walking in and she sees her son sitting a few meters away and she's just looking at him. And if we know this is her son, because earlier in the episode we see her looking at a screen of somebody named Gabriel Wong. That's right. Yeah. And she wipes it away as uh, Rios walks up to her. And so she walks up to him and she starts talking to him and clearly he's not happy to see her. Like Mm -mm. he is, he is dismissive. He's rude. He immediately wants her to go away. And then it's such a, she, she's telling him, I'm, I'm trying to clean up my act. I would like you back in my life. I want to be a part of your life. Well,
1: it's like you say, he's not happy to see her, but he even mentions that if it had
0: been years earlier, he would have been. We've talked about addiction in Star Trek in the past, but never this deeply. Like not with a character who's living with addiction. Yeah, this is and- going to go on for a while. And the consequences of being an addict. Like, even if you think about addiction in Star Trek, probably is like for an episode and then it goes away. Like, one episode is the next episode. People are fine. Like, nothing happened. Well, even on our live show, we were talking
1: about this. You know, she's saying how she's clean. But, I mean, we just saw just a couple episodes earlier, she was doing the whatever, snake weed or whatever it's called. And, and that's the thing. It's like she hasn't been clean for long. She may think I think the thing is she wants to be clean. She thinks maybe, you know, that she has hope now, that she has this mission that she's getting back on track, but mm-hmm. she needs a little more time to get her act together. She can't just give it a week or two and say, "Okay, I'm clean, I'm sober, whatever. I'm, I'm I've got my act back together." It's going to take her some time. It's, and it's probably good that she doesn't reconnect with her son. I guess what I'm saying is, it's probably good he didn't accept her with open arms yet, because I don't think she's really ready. Because even if they bonded, I think she would screw it up so she needs more
0: time part of the reason why they went they drifted apart is not just because of her addiction but because she was kind of obsessed with the sense thing which is another addiction she was obsessed
1: yeah that's and the problem. that's why her whole world crashed on her she wasn't she didn't have an addiction but when she was obsessed with this mission that she was working on when you know she got kicked out of starfleet and everything yeah. stopped she lo- and she'd already kind of ruined her family right right
0: she had nothing left one of the things i was really wondering about is yeah, you're right. She This became like, she's an addict and she's looking for things to be addicted to. She's looking for purpose. Yeah. That, and that was giving her purpose, which is the wrong thing to do. And clearly she, it was more important to her. This was more important to her than uh, her family, which you see became the issue. Now, uh, one of the things that in this conversation that she's having with him, he mentions is the conclave of eight. What is that? Do you know what that is? Uh, no. Do you? No, I, I, I feel like it's a, it might be a section 31 thing. I don't know. I do remember that. And I was going to try to research that. And I didn't, I couldn't find, like I typed conclave of Wait, Star Trek, nothing showed up for me, except for like she mentioning this. How did he, oh
1: gosh, I don't know.
0: It could be, to me, it felt like, you know, the, the people who say things like, oh, 9-11 was an inside job. Like it's, it felt to me like he was calling it like a conspiracy theory yeah
1: no, like, i th- I think we're gonna find out probably more about that then. yeah
0: and that was and then she, that's the thing she disagrees with him on, and she's like it's a conspiracy it's crazy it's much bigger than any of us so it leads to like a stalemate he dismisses her but not before he she gets to meet his wife or lover right is she a romulan the lady I assumed she was a Romulan. Yeah, like a Romulan or a Vulcan and she's pregnant and he's like, oh, we're going to have a granddaughter. You're going to have a granddaughter. And then she, he, they walk away. It was such an interesting, uh, touching scene that I am appreciative of it for. Like, it's, you know, people talk about hope in Star Trek and how there is hope in knowing that or believing that we have solved all our problems and we become this perfect species 200 years from now. But I also think there is hope in that humans just don't stop being human. Like we make mistakes mm-hmm. and the next morning we get up and try. we try to keep ourselves from falling back down and that's our life. And I thought that showing like this addict character and the life, of, life that she's leading is also strangely hopeful that that's the kind of humanity that they want to talk about.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's the thing I like about Star Trek that it seems like in the future everybody's got their life put together like we're all got it straight and nothing's wrong with us and we all get along at least you know ron berry made that vision essential to the crew of the enterprise d that everybody has to get along that's what they Mm -hmm. do in starfleet that doesn't necessarily mean all of humanity maybe more so in starfleet but we're not perfect and it is about what we do to overcome things so we're going to stumble we're going to fall Let's see if we can pick ourselves up and not just ourselves, but what others do to help that. And I would like to see this crew helping Rafi through this. I'd like to see Picard doing something about it, that it's the support to get you there. And I'd love, I I hope we get to see some of
0: that. And she mentions it too, because clearly she needs help and she talks about it the first time we really see her in her conversation with Picard. she's like why didn't you ever come and see me not to to like meet me as a crew member but just come and talk to me like she needs she needs the things that an addict needs and Mm -hmm. you're right it would be awesome if somebody in the show because clearly her family has abandoned her we don't know who her husband is yet he's not around and it's i i hope something comes out of it but anyway back to the show so this happens and then bajazil pulls the veil off of the prisoner's head down in free cloud and it's seven. And she says, oh, it's nice to see you, Anika." Essentially, and then everybody's like, whoa, what's happening? And then she, the, Elnor breaks the ice. He's like, are we still pretending? And he's like, no. I've, and then Picard says, no. I think everybody's finally being themselves. Thus, all of them realizing that they were kind of played by seven. Mm-hmm. And this was seven running like her own little game. Now, what was interesting to me is, uh, so she calls her as Annika, not seven. So it seems like, After Voyager, she goes back to Annika? That would make sense to me.
1: I kind of expected that, but I also feel like the fact that they have Picard refer to her as Seven of Nine when we first introduced her is to kind of help the audience understand who she is. Yeah. But, you know, in the novels, and I know the novels aren't canon or whatever, and they're going a different path than this, you know, she started going by the name of Annika. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as she's reclaiming her humanity, She's adopting that name. But at the same time, I can see her keeping with the name Seven. But the fact that she lived close to or near this woman or whatever, but we find out in the, they have a past, that maybe she was going by the name of Annika. Or maybe that was just something that those who were very close to her would call her.
0: Yeah, and we do find out about this past because Bajaisal kind of infers that she infiltrated the Fender Rangers And in the name of ranging, she found people to pick up and sell off, which is so dark and so dirty. And it was was such a turning point for me. Like that makes the character redeemable to me. Like, I don't know how you make a character better from there. Like someone like Bajazel, she's so happy doing the shady thing she does. Anyway, Seven gets a hold of her neck and then Picard says something like, oh, murder is not justice, you know, right? Like you can't, and that's such a Picard thing to do. If Kirk was there, I imagine he would have just straight up punched Bajorl, knocked her face off. <laughs> oh, I
1: think he may have pun. He would punch her, but he wouldn't murder her.
0: Yeah, and then he would just be like, he would just walk away. Probably, he'll be like, "Do whatever you want. I, I don't have time for this." Yeah. But Picard, the the eternal believer and uplifter, he's like, "Oh, you know, murder is not justice. Like, you can do what you want to her, but that's not going to resolve what." You're trying to do. And then Rios walks in with the pragmatism and he's like, you know, if you kill her here, there'll be a bounty on all of us and mm-hmm. we'll be fine. But Picard and Elnor will be toast. And this is right after Rios kills Vup, Mr. Vup. Yes. And he, sh- he does shoot uh, Vup just to like bring the advantage back to their side. Well, because well, well, Mister
1: Vup actually pulled out a weapon and was getting ready to shoot or do something, whatever, to Annika and Picard or whatever. Yeah. So he
0: saved them by doing that. That is right. And then, uh, then we got to like back on the ship where Jurati is having like a crisis, and then you later find out what the actual crisis is, which is like kind of talking, psyching herself up. But uh, they so they see Maddox and Maddox is fine. And then uh, before everything goes down, Seven's like, no, no, go. Uh, Rios is like, hey, so we need to do something. We need to get out. And then Seven's like, yeah, let's beam out of here. Uh, What did you think of that scene? Like, did you... uh... Now, this is where the episode becomes a little weak for me. Like, it's a little too happy-go-lucky that nothing happens to any of these people who just infiltrated this giant citywide network. That but they got out easy,
1: they were able to beam back up? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, that didn't bother me. I mean, that's typical Star Trek, too. I <laughs> <You laughs>
0: Like, know? nobody even takes a phaser shot, man. Like, it's just, they go down there and they go back up. It's like nothing even happened. They might. It might as well just have been that Maddox was just lying somewhere and they went and picked him up. Uh, but, mm. like, they, to me, that was where the episode became a little weak. I was like, you know, they're on this planet that is supposed to be uh, what's the the crappy planet from the Last Jedi, which is the uh, oh, like Canto Bite? Yes, <laughs> I I did not like that movie. That's a whole other <laughs> episode, but I did not like oh, that we movie. Can talk about that some other time. Yes, but yeah, it's like Bite where, and you can one of the things I appreciate was the two people who went there. They have they're out of their element, like they're running the whole time, and yeah. then here all these people who have never shown up. Maybe Rafi has some connections and stuff, but none of the other ones have ever been here. Or it's his first time, like being—it's his first time pretending.
1: Yeah, and
0: then nothing happens. Like I was like, like you expected hmm. them to get shot. Is that what you're saying? I expected it to end in some <laughs> some kind of a gunfight, which I guess it does at the yeah, end of the episode. Yeah, in a sense,
1: it, later it does. Yeah.
0: And so that was the, what I was like. It, it felt a little too suspicious to me. I was like, how did they get away so easily? But anyway, they've been back up. And here's where we get the scene between, Maddox is clearly injured, so they rush him off to the hospital, and then uh, Picard thanks Seven for her help. And -hmm. then Seven picks up, uh, Seven's like, can I take these weapons? And he's like, yeah, of course, it's the least we can do. And as as she walks away, they both see face to face, and they have this incredible conversation about what it means to be ex-Borg.
1: Yes.
0: And... Uh, Seven asks him. So after everything that happened with you, do you think you you have reclaimed your humanity from the Borg? And Picard's like, yes. And then Seven says, all of it. And then Picard says, no, but I am working on it. Well, and we are both, we're both yeah, working, on, we're both it. working yeah. on it. And then yeah. Seven says, every damn day of my life. Yes, that was such a. I think if this entire show ended here. I would have been like, we got that, man. I am good. That was worth my money.
1: If you were going to sell a Star Trek fan to watch the show, just show them that scene. Yes. And say, you know, here's Picard and Seven of Nine interacting with each other, discussing how they were both former Borg and how they're dealing with it and reclaiming their humanity. Mm -hmm. And And that was so great. And even before that, when she's asking about the phasers, you could tell he's a little hesitant. I mean, he's agreeing to it, but I think he's also knowing, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to stop her. She's already determined to do what she's going to, he knows what's going to happen and she's, he's allowing it.
0: Yeah. And this is not, had this been TNG, he would have probably found a way to stop her and she would have stopped. But this is a Picard that is now discouraged from Starfleet. And he knows that not everybody's going to listen to him and that his way of life is not the way of life that everybody lives. Like two, seven murder is justice. And that is the kind of life that she leads. And that's that's the path that she wants to go down. And he he is such a, this is the Picard now. He just, he helps her do it because she helped him out. He's like, you know, a transaction for a transaction. And I love the Does turn that- Does that disappoint you that this Picard is different? No, I love it. It's because that's kind of what happens. At, like if you if you think about what happens to people toward the end of their lives, there's a reason why their youth and their- middle age becomes so nostalgic to them because they change as people like all the people that today we think are old and bitter they were at one point these young and hopeful people that were the bright future of the world and if you think about it those are the same people that today are old and bitter and and complaining about the young (laughs) and that's not who picard is but he has come to a point where he knows what battles he can win and what battles he cannot win.
1: Yeah, and he knows when he can change someone and when he can't.
0: Right, and he, he changed Elnor. He knew that he could do that, and he did. He knows he cannot change seven, so he, does, he tries once and then just steps back. And I would also kind of think that maybe there's a part of him that hopes
1: that she will do the right thing, that maybe she has the intentions of going back down with those phasers and going after Bajazel. but I think there's also a part of him is like, maybe she won't do something maybe she'll change her mind you know he can't make it for her
0: to me picard is in the headspace where he is fine just people doing the thing that they think is right even though it's murder because he says this is not justice it's not and but he also says you can do this but it is not justice so he doesn't say this is a make or a break for me but he says you can try going down this road but nothing will come of it because I have gone down this road and we see him go down it in first contact Mm -hmm. when he's just on a rampage against the Borg until he gets to the end. And he, and he's like, you know, this like, this is not going to end well. And I think he's like, let seven have this. And then she'll come to a point where we'll, she will see that all of this ultimately doesn't give her the joy that she wants.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I I really read it as, I think he wants to stop her but even if he stopped her now she's going to find a way and do it anyway there's no even you know why he's not even going to waste the energy
0: yeah and that was uh so all of this leads to the voyager theme being played for a second did you really oh, wasn't that? that great and i thought that was such a cool turn because it's kind of, they kind of lead you to believe, oh, she's going to do this real heroic thing and just give everything up and become a good guy. And then she goes down to the planet and just, she's like, she literally just says hi and starts shooting. Yes. Like this is where the movie goes full Punisher war zone comics. I was hoping that she was going to go down and maybe meet up with Chakotay and they start a relationship. again. <laughs> Oh, you're t- that the universe would implode, <laughs> Bruce. We could not have TVs because they were all just explored if that much goodness happened in one episode. But anyway, so she goes down there and she just starts fighting, just shooting people. And Bajazil goes down and then all of Bajazal's security network comes down. It was just, what did you think of that shootout? It was very well shot. I'll say that for the action. I love the action in the show. I think they're doing some really cool interesting things. Like
1: I did, that. you know, when she shot Bajazel, I like how she dissolves, but there's like a red to it that almost looked like blood. Mm-hmm. Just,
0: you know, and I was like, oh, that
1: was actually pretty cool. And yeah. then when she's like shooting all the security people that are coming and she's just like the, you know, hey, I'm I'm seven of nine, I'm I'm badass. Yeah. It's like,
0: yeah, yes, yes, you are.
1: Yes, yes, you are. This now is seven
0: of This is Seven of Nine's world. We're just living in it. Yes, exactly. Yes. She is destroying. She's just on a rampage. But I think and, we'll see her again. Oh, of course. I, uh, one of the reasons why I think we will see her again is because if you go back to the very beginning of the show's PR campaign, they did like interviews with her and Hugh and uh, Jonathan Delarco. And she's talking about how she helped Jonathan Delarco on set. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And if you connect yeah. the dots, they wouldn't have been on a set together had they not filmed things together. That, so, that's true yeah but also in this episode she did
1: give picard like a little cart if you need me
0: yeah contact me so that that's a little little hint i bet he will contact her once he's on the artifact and he's at his wits end and he needs He'll be
1: like i found chakotay <laughs> oh, i'm kidding i'm sorry i'm obsessed with the <laughs> oh right now.
0: i get we we can all we they're can the, all tell that's it they're not the worst they're they're kind of the
1: worst star trek couple really but anyway
0: <laughs> so, uh, well, no comments there. Anyway, so moving on. Now, we leave Seven there for the moment. Then we come back to Maddox on, in the hospital off the ship. And he and Picard are having a conversation. And they essentially talk. And Maddox finds out that Picard knows about Dodge, And then he says, oh, yeah, there's a twin. Her name is Soji. She's on the artifact. And then he's like picard says hey so we need to we need to save soji what can we do why and he's trying to find information and he's like uh maddox says yeah i sent her to the artifact uh, and then i sent uh, dodge to earth or mm-hmm. just like and then eventually to okinawa if things had gone there and yeah. then she's like to find out the truth because there are lies upon lies yeah the ban and too he says, Yeah, to find the truth, the ban lies upon lies. It's so what he's obviously talking about the Jatvash, I and think. More, yeah, and he's talking about and he says he doesn't know what is happening. So, if I understand correctly, maybe I'm completely off. So, did he create these two to find out what the Jatvash is and how they can help? Uh, Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I, I didn't think of it that he created
1: them for that reason. I figured he created them and then sent them later for that reason. Like, I don't think he created them to find the truth,
0: but I don't know. That's a it, good point. Yeah, like how, because he says that he needs to, he doesn't say anything along the lines of, I sent them to find the truth about themselves, which no. is what you would think he would do in a situation like this but he sends them to the specific places where the jatwash are supposed to be in they're supposed to be in the artifact and then on earth in starfleet so i i don't know if he created them for that purpose or if he j- like you said he he just activated that in them so they can go find out the truth uh, well let's just say it this way
1: he didn't create them he's not doing all this synthetic life stuff just to Send them on a mission. Right, right, right. He's there to to try to create life. But did he activate them? Did he finish them to send them on this quest?
0: Yeah. And that's
1: that's the question. Yeah. Is that the purpose of finishing them and getting them out there? Yeah. And I,
0: I you don't know. know. I don't have the answer I to that. I, uh, I guess we'll find out more. Again, please tell us about it. If you want to tell me personally, you can do that on at underscore hero. Twitter is about the only social media I do. So G-U-T-T-E-R underscore H-E-R-O. You can also just tweet at us on Polytrex. I have been enjoying. We get all kinds of awesome responses. About uh, Last time I asked people on the show, oh, where do you listen to us? And somebody was like, I listen to you on the treadmill. I listen to you at work. <laughs> That was That was really cool of them. So yeah, tell us about this. Why do you think maddox created Daj and soji because i can't figure it out and i am the guy who has been doing the charlie day sun sunny in philadelphia paper board upon paper board upon paper board fbi office kind of thing and i can't figure it out so anyway from here we go to this tiny scene where you find out that rafi is back on the ship and rios and Picard are laying down a course to the artifact and he's like we should talk about a stowaway. And then they cut to the stowaway who's kind of brooding and existential and she's a spacewoman. And now we cut to like the real big reveal in this episode that they saved for the very end, very fittingly which is the Jurati and Maddox kind yes. of interaction. So Picard it says his piece and then he walks away from Maddox. Uh, Jurati takes over and she's kind of trying to help or do you think she's trying to help Maddox as he talks to her and he's like, Because right, remember, I,
1: they were in love, they were in a relationship, they yeah, see, yeah, they're being reunited,
0: and that's what it's led, lead you to believe at least Maddox think it, thinks it is because he's yeah. like, Aggie, I couldn't have done any of this without your help, mm-hmm. and, have and you then seen
1: Dodge? Did yeah, you see her, and
0: then Aggie suddenly starts breaking into tears, and she's like, That's why just the, all of this hurts so much, and then she injects him with poison that kind yeah. of just just kills him but she says right when she's
1: doing that i wish you knew what i know i wish i didn't know what i know i wish they hadn't shown me
0: yeah and so like, what does that mean now there are again so many days and just drops or or really nuggets of information that we find out about so is she talking when she says they does she mean sharpash I, you know, honestly, well, at first, I don't know,
1: it, very possibly, but I somehow think it's the Federation because, you know, when we saw um, Commodore o,
0: yeah, I feel like there's something connected there.
1: I think yeah. Commodore O showed her something.
0: And whatever Com- Commodore O did, convinced her to get on the ship and go to this place, kill Maddox, and then continue to follow them on the artifact to wherever they're going to put an end to all this. I guess to kill Soji. So they uh, could...
1: Yes, I would think so.
0: So they could continue doing what they're doing. But why anyway, did she find the need to kill Bruce Maddox? W- well, that's another question. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Probably so the he d- wouldn't have a chance to save Soji because you'd think yeah. the guy who created Soji would have some kind of an advantage going in. So she maybe he wanted to kill him or just stop all these sins altogether? Again, another question I don't have an answer to. But I also so feel like he
1: knows some information too that she's killing him to protect, not to be revealed.
0: Yes, and that might have to do with the way Soji and Daj were created. Just mm-hmm. so many so many crazy connections. And this was, uh, again, people listening to the show know that I, I knew, you can kind of, if you watch it with the same pessimism and cynicism that I watched it with, you, and you're suspecting everyone. I feel Jurati was like one of the most obvious ones to be evil. What did you think of that turn? Are you surprised at all? Are you taken aback? Did you expect it? How do you feel about it? I, I think I was surprised
1: about that scene. I've, I wasn't quite expecting that to happen, but I'm not surprised that her character would have done that because I think from that episode when she shows up at the chateau and she sh- shoots one of those uh, Romulans. And she's like, I'm joining you. I'm coming with you. And knowing that that happened shortly after she was confronted by Commodore O, I thought, okay, she's probably there for some other reasons now. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I don't think of her as a villain necessarily. I just think that uh, she's been exposed to something and she's on a different mission. And, you know, and she killed Bruce Maddox, which of course is murder, but now she's the third character in this series to kill someone in this episode because we had rios kill and we have had
0: seven kill someone mm-hmm. and now we've had Gerardi kill someone it's where it's going to be interesting the show is at its halfway point so they did this big reveal at the which halfway is amazing point. yeah we're only, we're, <laughs> we're only at the halfway point now like i expect
1: this to go on for a while gosh we're already halfway through
0: and i'm excited to see where it goes this like i said for bu- like before i close i'll say this was one of my this is my still my favorite second favorite episode I, like i said i have the attention span of a six month old so if you throw lights and colors and funny dialogue i will be in there for and it go those keys yeah yes. like picard with the iPad was like them jangling the keys just saying hey watch <laughs> it and then i watched it man i really enjoyed this episode again the evil turn happened so we'll find out what happens next so did you catch anything from the preview of on the next Star Trek Picard? I don't even There's remember. There's like a music box. I saw somebody open a music box and then uh, Narek kind of reveals Soji's truth to her by putting her in this enclosed chamber and she starts punching her way out of it. Yeah. I remember was...
1: seeing the clip on the ready room of a young Soji.
0: Ooh, I or have not she... seen that. Yes. I have not seen Ready Room yet. I, I, I usually do that, but I, that was one I dropped. So I need to go back and watch it. Good one, my friend. I will check that out. That'll be interesting. All right, Bari. Before we get out of here, any, any other notes on the episode?
1: My gosh, we've covered so much. And I, I know. have notes here. The only thing I would mention that we did mention is the EMH you know he showed up a couple times yeah which was i mean we briefly kind of mentioned it but again, i feel like that emh
0: is just there to be deactivated
1: well i feel like well that he is <laughs> in a lot of way but there's there's going to be something interesting with him because he did show up right before she killed maddox and he yeah. was ready to oh my gosh we need to do and she deactivated him yeah. so i can see him talking to possibly rios and saying well i could have saved him but she shut me off and then rios might say well she told me she wasn't in the room when he died you know there's going to be something with the emh that's going to clue the rest of the crew that something isn't quite right with ag that's what i'm
0: thinking and we'll we will stay tuned for it we'll come back here and do this again uh, bruce is doing his unnamed live show that you can find on dan's network i believe
1: it's, yeah isn't that great an unnamed show it's yeah so it's awesome.
0: just the you're like your podcast is like the nameless from <laughs> the nameless yeah. which is what uh, the borg autopsy people call the you remember that on the gray zone yes. and they're operating and and she's like oh these are the nameless and so she's like why are you calling them the nameless and he's like yeah that's a name the nameless is a name so that that's, should be your your chan, your live show's name is the nameless it's the nameless the nameless, the nameless live show live show Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh I'm writing that down
0: yes please give me proper credit I will, I will, I will. I hope, I cannot wait to have you back, my friend. It was such a pleasure having you here. You've redeemed uh, the white guys on the show for me after the terrible experience. Oh, thank I've you. I'm glad buddy. I can represent.
1: So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, just so, so happy to have you. Uh, now, uh, before we get out of here, where can people find you? Tell us about all the interesting, fun things you're doing. And where Okay, well, besides you? that live show, which I said is Friday nights at 9 p.m. Uh,
1: Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Uh, I don't know how many Fridays we're going to do that, but we're at least going to do it through this season of Picard. Uh, And that's at Kurt Tratz, that's Star Trek spelled backwards. That's the channel on YouTube. So check that out. And then I do literary treks on Trek FM, which is the official Star Trek books and comics podcast of that network. And we have Una McCormick coming up on a March 15th episode to talk about her Picard novel. Uh, we had Mike Johnson on, who's a friend of yours, that came on to talk about the Countdown comics. Uh, that was a couple episodes ago. So we're, we're covering it all. all awesome. Day. That sounds even, delightful. Even Kirk Fu Manual by Dayton Ward. That episode comes out March 1st. So check that one out. It's a fun oh, show. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, then I do the Star Wars report. I'm not on as often anymore. I'm kind of taking, you know, taking less of an active role in that. But I am going to be on that occasionally, at least once a month so star Wars report and then dan gunther and i are coming out with a new podcast hasn't launched yet but it's called positively Trek, and we're taking a positive view like this show does but we're taking a positive view of star trek all the series the novels the books products conventions fandom gaming whatever we're, we're covering it all and it's just you know two guys hanging out just you know talking star trek stuff so that one's coming out follow that on twitter at Positively Trek. I'm on Twitter at Admiral
0: underscore Rex. That's Admiral with a little underline and then Rex. Awesome. People can find me on at gutter underscore hero. That's G-U-T-T-E-R underscore H-E-R-O. You can find this show on at PolyTrex. Also throw in a like and a follow for Trek Geeks, which is our network that lets us do all kinds of crazy things here. And you'd be, you, if you think we're crazy, you have to listen to some of those insane Trek Geek shows like Trek Rewind, the Five-Year Mission Podcast, and this dumb show called Picard Live that is doing. Ugh. And then the Trek Geeks yes. podcast, which is supposed to be the flagship, but that quality just keeps dropping. And <laughs> that's why Polytrex is here to keep things that, up. That's why I'm on Polytrex and not the other shows. I had to go to the best one. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. And okay. until next time, you guys, make sure you listen to our shows. Make sure you stay tuned and enjoy Star Trek Picard. Just enjoy Star Trek and respectful and live long and prosper and onward to star sign.